chapter 28 and starting at verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This past week, we saw thousands of people respond to a message that could very well have saved their lives. So as Hurricane Florence approached the East Coast, governors declared states of emergency, residents were told to evacuate. It was imperative that this news was spread via newscasts, local government, personal contact, so that people could make arrangements to leave in time. Even still, as Brad just did, we pray for those who have been affected by the storm, for those who have lost loved ones. We pray for continued safety and protection. But, but for our purposes this morning, what we've seen take place in Florence this past week, I think can help us understand more clearly and perhaps with more soberness the passage Peter just read for us. So in Matthew 28, we see that each one of us who follows Jesus Christ has been called to spread a message, an emergency declaration, if you will. Each one of us has been called to go and broadcast a message that judgment is coming, and there is yet time for deliverance. So the past three weeks, we've been working through what is our new vision statement here at Loudoun Valley Baptist Church. That is that as a church, we gather together, we grow together, and we go together. Uh, so we considered last week how important it is for us to grow together as a body of Christ into spiritual maturity. And this week we wrap up our vision statement series by looking at what is often called the Great Commission given by our Lord Jesus Christ. That as his followers, we must go to proclaim his worth to a lost world. So in this passage, Jesus has recently died on the cross and risen again. And now he's appearing to his disciples after his resurrection, before his ascension into heaven. And with our time together this morning, let's just look at this passage briefly and see three motivations for us to go, for us to be on mission with the message of the gospel. First motivation, Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Second, Jesus has commanded Jesus has commanded. And then finally, Jesus is near. Jesus is near. First motivation then for our mission is that Jesus is king. Look there in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So this newly resurrected, glorified Savior appears to his disciples and announces that he is the one who possesses all authority. Here we see Jesus exalted, no longer humiliated. He's secured victory over sin and death and hell and Satan, and now he's enthroned as the king with all authority, no longer the man of sorrows. There's a great hymn. It talks about Jesus coming into the courts of heaven. 
having secured this victory. And I love the words of the hymn where it says, look at the man of sorrows now. He is victorious. Peter writes in one of his letters, Jesus Christ has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Jesus comes, and before he ascends to his Father, he teaches here his disciples that he has this kind of authority. He's come to them from the grave, for Pete's sake. He's triumphed over their greatest enemy, death itself, and now his authority has been given him by his Father, with whom he is one. One God in three persons. Church, remember here that God's authority is his to give. It's not derived from someone else. I was watching news reports, what was it, a week and a half ago about the Senate confirmation hearings for Brett Kavanaugh, the nominated Supreme Court Justice. And there were lots of questions thrown his way about power and the right use of power, executive power, and who, if anyone, is above the law. I was reminded as I looked at this passage this past week that there is only one who is above the law. It's the ultimate lawmaker himself. It's God, the source of law the source of authority, the perfect source of all life. Listen, when God does something, he does what is by definition the right use of authority because he is all authority. It's the final end of all authority. If that's not the way he was, he wouldn't be God and we wouldn't need to worship him. But this is who he is. And he has given his son, our savior, all authority in heaven and on earth. And what good news is that? That the one who has all authority is the one who is faithful and true and good. He's even given his life for sinners. Brothers and sisters, this truth also means that our lives are not ours to command. As Christians, we've given our allegiance to our king, he is worthy of our worship because he is God. He doesn't become God because we choose to worship him. We worship him because he's God. One author puts it this way. You and I don't decide to make Jesus Lord. He is Lord regardless of what we think of him. We see here Jesus is an exclusive king. He doesn't co-reign with other religious entities. He doesn't share his authority with other gods. All authority has been given to him. And as such, he now gives a command to his disciples and by extension to us. And so as we get to that command, this great commission command in verse 19, do you see why this truth that Jesus is the king with all authority must motivate us to obey? I mean, he has all authority to save and to judge. He has all authority to send and to withhold. And he has sent us out, as we'll see, as messengers of his gospel. Without his authority behind our witness, we would have no business sharing the gospel. But since he does have all authority, we have no business not sharing the gospel. I love how the pastor David Platt puts it. He's written about this passage. Who are we to go to another people group 
or even co-workers and tell them that they are following false idols and that if they don't turn to Jesus, they're going to die forever. The world views us as arrogant, he says. And even as far as many people in the church are concerned, communicating this to people makes no sense. However, if Matthew's gospel is true, that is, if Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, if he rose from the grave in victory over sin and death, and if there is no one like him and he reigns as Lord over all, then telling a lost world about Jesus is the only thing that makes sense. What doesn't make sense is millions of Christians sitting back and saying nothing to the nations. Instead, we ought to go with confidence, knowing that the one who sent us is sovereign over all and worthy of worship from all. Our first motivation, church, is to go on mission because Jesus is king. Second motivation, Jesus has commanded Look there in verse 19. So in light of all that Jesus is and all the power he now possesses, this is what he commands. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So in his authority, Jesus now issues a command, an edict from the king. And that command is most basically, the basic verb in this sentence is make disciples. Christian, you are a disciple maker. As one commentator describes it, a disciple here in Matthew's gospel is one who both learns from and then follows Jesus. He both believes in and then forms his life around Christ. And as those kinds of disciples, then, we are now to multiply ourselves. Dear, dear brother, dear sister, if you are following Christ, you must be helping others follow him as well. See, the Christian faith is not merely inward. It sure is. It's a personal faith, but it's not a private faith. The Christian faith is not merely a way to find inner peace or how to cope best with life's hardships. That's for positive thinking, but not for Christianity. The Christian faith is one that's called to look outward, to act, to go, to speak, to jealously seek the glory of God in all the, the earth. So Jesus here calls his recruits in, and he lines them up, and he sends them out on a mission. He sends us out on his mission, and since he has all authority on heaven and earth, we know this mission we've been sent on will not fail. Most basically then, church family, if we're not making disciples, if we're not going, if we're not sharing the good news, we're disobeying our Lord. So, dear Christian, is this an area where you need to repent this morning? Have you neglected to seek to make disciples? Have you neglected to share the gospel with those who are lost? Maybe you don't feel particularly gifted in evangelism. 
Or maybe this is just a busy season, like it's been for the last 35 years. <laughs> when I thought about the reasons I don't share the gospel, I came up with many. Fear, doubt, unbelief, love of affirmation from others, fear of rejection, laziness, self-centeredness, comfort, being ashamed of the name of Christ, avoiding embarrassment. I think for those of us who have grown up in church like I have, I think sometimes we just can forget to talk to people who don't believe like we believe. So there's an awkwardness there. What do we even talk about? But I think most fundamentally is that we look at this passage, I think we don't want to share the gospel because we want to be king. We want authority over our lives. We want to call the shots. And so if that's true, then the first step towards repentance in this area and faith and obedience is to reestablish in our minds that Jesus is king over everything in our lives. That he gets to call the shots. That he gets to command us how we ought to follow him. We don't get to make that decision. I think a lot of us kind of just want to wait for this evangelistic fervor to come bubbling up in our, in our hearts in order to share the gospel. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's where we want to get as we meditate on the gospel. But for now, I think since we see Jesus has all authority, I think one of the first steps we need to take to share the gospel is just to obey the king. I think we just need to obey. It's important there to see that Jesus says we are to make disciples of all nations. This command is a global one. So, dear friends, some of us here in this room need to start praying, perhaps for the first time, about leaving this place. Leaving Loudoun County. Leaving Virginia. Going somewhere else where the gospel has not yet taken root. We are a church, and we're called to spread this news, this emergency warning of judgment yet to come. And not all of us will be sent abroad, but some of us will be. Could that be you? According to the Joshua Project, there are 10,208 distinct people groups in the world. And those who remain unreached are 4,382. Their definition of unreached is this, people groups who are those among which there is no indigenous community of believing Christians with adequate numbers and resources to evangelize the people group without assistance from the outside. So 42% of the people groups of the world are in that category, needing help just to share the gospel. This urgent message with those around them who are lost Almost half the people groups of the world need help just to get the good news out. Christian, are you willing to go? I'm serious about that. You may have a comfortable job. You may have a house you're still paying off and will pay off for the next 25 years. It may make no reasonable sense for your future, your kids, and your finances. But are you willing to pray and ask if Jesus is sending you?
And if he is, are you willing to go? As Christians, we have a global goal. Carly read it for us earlier from Psalm 67. The psalmist says, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Loudon Valley Baptist Church is on mission to see that happen, to see all peoples praise God. John Piper writes, Worship is the goal of missions. Because in missions, we simply aim to bring the nations into the white-hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God. What greater purpose do we need, church, to obey Christ's command to go than the vision of the whole world worshiping our great God? finding all the joy and fulfillment that we've experienced and will continue to experience until we're glorified with him in heaven, to have them experience the same thing. Will you pray about going? Just pray about it. See what the Lord does. Here at Loudon Valley, we're a part of an international church planting network called Radstock Ministries based out of the United Kingdom, and we have opportunities to go with Radstock around the world. We have opportunities to help plant churches in places like Macedonia that Brad prayed for earlier, places like Mongolia and Iceland and Belarus. There are opportunities to go and and help with summer camps or commit to teaching English for longer periods, like 6-12 months. So if you would like to do something like that as you navigate God's potential call on your life, talk to me, talk to Brad or Joe or anybody that you think would have in on that. We'd love to get you connected with churches all over the world in this mission we have together from our King. And for each one of us, this call to go, this command from Jesus is something we must obey. It may not be overseas. It may not be across this country. I think each one of us has a role that we must play to see missions happen overseas. But for all of us, it will be here as well. So as our vision statement says, in joyful obedience to the call of Christ, we go next door, across town, and around the world with the message of Jesus Christ. So to get super practical, look in your bulletins. If you have them, you'll see an insert in there. Uh, there's a graphic in the middle with, with kind of your house, and then there's eight houses surrounding you. So are you obeying Christ's call to share the gospel with those around you? This is a tool that can help you obey that. So take time this afternoon or this evening and do some research if you need to, especially if your neighbors are kind of far away. If they're closer, it's probably going to be easier for you. And write down the names of the couples or the single people or the kids or whatever you know of, of eight neighbors around you. Put that on your refrigerator. It might be awkward in case they come over. Put it on your bathroom mirror or the dashboard of your car so that you're constantly reminded to pray for them. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel with them. 
Our prayer here at Loudon Valley is that we would see new Christians, new believers come into this family of God because we have obeyed Jesus and gone next door to speak his name. Will you obey Jesus' command? Final motivation for mission. Jesus is near. Jack Miller was a... uh, really godly teacher and church planter from the late 1900s. And as he meditated on this text, uh, he shared an anecdote that I found helpful and wanted to share with you. This is what he said. A friend of mine who fought in World War II told me that his most frightening day was when the general stood up in front of the troops in Italy and delivered a powerful speech about how they were going to smash through to Rome. As he spoke, the troops, inspired, felt that it was indeed possible. But then the general got into his staff car and drove the other way, away from the battlefront. My friend said that he had never felt so abandoned in all his life. I can't imagine that feeling. Faced with possible death, seeming impossible victory, and then maybe believing it, getting amped up to go in and fight and conquer, and then seeing the one who looked the most confident, the one who spoke the most confident, give the last hoorah, and then jet the other way. Dear church, our commander has not done that. Praise him, he hasn't. Our king has not left us. Look at verse 20. He says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've probably heard messages about this before. Call to evangelism, call to missions, calling to go. And maybe you've tended to feel guilty by those messages and sad and discouraged that you don't have this evangelistic zeal that you know you should have as a follower of Christ. And in light of our first two motivations this morning, I think that's okay, okay? I think it's good if you feel convicted. Some of us need to repent. I have repented this week. But I also want you to see that although the mission is challenging, the commander goes with us. So if you feel doubt or anxiety as you think about sharing the gospel, remember you're not sharing it alone. I don't know about you, but when I go into a hard situation, I have somebody that I know has my back and around with me. That's great. But guess what? We don't have somebody who just has our back. We have the king with us. We have him. We're like his escort going to proclaim the gospel. Jesus calls us and he says, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to speak of me to all nations. But he doesn't just give that mission and then retreat into his safety bunker. Actually, it's even better. Actually, he's completed the mission already. See, God sent his son on a rescue mission to save his enemies, to save you and me. We were each dead in our sin without hope, rebels against God, but Jesus came to take our rebellious nature on himself, to take our sin on himself, to die in our place, to bear God's rightful wrath for us. He did that, and then he rose again in victory, 
to give us new life. That is mission accomplished. He's merely calling us to carry out the mission he's already secured. It's not mission impossible. It's mission accomplished. We carry it out. So are you in? If you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, we're so happy that you're here. This might sound like kind of like a, a rally to convert you, and actually it is. But it's not because we want you to just come in and fill up our giving quota. It's because this is our only hope. And we want you in on it. We understand that God is immensely holy. And that in light of his holiness, we are immensely lost. Damned forever. And so when we tell you about this gospel, it's not because we're pressuring you to do what we want to do because we want a bigger church. It's because we want you to be saved. Will you do so today? If you repent and trust in Christ, all your sin and rebellion, which you have, will be placed on the back of Jesus Christ, and you will be set free. That is hope. And church family, it's interesting I loved when I saw this this past week. It's interesting to see how Matthew starts out his gospel, the longest gospel, 28 chapters, and he starts it out in chapter 1 by calling Jesus what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. And now he's ending his gospel, showing us Jesus again as the king who is with us and will never leave us. God with us is not just a Christmas theme, it's a missions theme. Leon Morris, the great commentator, has written, Jesus does not say, I will be with you, but I am with you. And his I is emphatic. Like he's saying, no less than I will be with you. Church, he will always be with us. He will never leave. He's going to see this mission through to the end. We have a companion Better than that, we have a king along with us in the mission. We can go in boldness because he is with us. Charles Spurgeon wrote about this passage. Trust all your concerns to him who can never be taken from you, who will never leave you, and who will never let you leave him. Even Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday and today and forever. And then he says, the truth that I am with you always is enough for my soul to live on, no matter who forsakes me. Dear church family, beloved family, out of the vision statement we've considered, gathering, growing, and going, this point of going is where we're weakest as a church. We're growing in it, praise God, but... And I speak corporately here. I'm not pointing out anybody. Mostly I'm pointing out myself. But I think we have a tendency more than not to be insular, to be content with just who's here and focus a bit inwards on ourselves. So starting with me, I urge us to repent and to look again afresh at the mission we've been given by the king. Well, perhaps when you hear that, you have different responses. 
Perhaps you feel like your own faith is weak. I mean, how dare you share it with others when you're not convinced it's actually true yourself? I'd urge you to obey anyway. You'll find that as you share your faith, your faith will increase. Perhaps your affections for Jesus are dim. Maybe you're caught in a sin cycle that's discouraging and unrelenting. I'd urge you to obey anyway. You'll find that as you share the gospel and walk out boldly for Christ, sin's hold will slowly loosen its grip. Perhaps you do share the gospel and you see others who don't in the church. Don't stand in judgment over them. Don't guilt them. Their guilt's on Jesus. Encourage them. Show by your own example this urgency to proclaim obedience and faith to the nations. Perhaps you just feel like your skill set and your position in life is one that's not conducive to evangelism at this time. I've heard people say, and I've probably said it before, I'm more of a discipler than a missionary. I'd urge you not to make that distinction. Making disciples is just as much about seeing new Christians brought to faith as it is about maturing those who have already come. So church, this is our vision. Last three weeks, gather, grow, and go. Let's commit to do those things together. And today, especially as we think about going, if you think after looking at this passage, yeah, yeah, I've totally disobeyed this commission from Christ. Please leave this morning convicted, but not deflated. Jesus is still king, folks. All these motivations are still true. His command is still active. The rescue door still remains ajar for all who would repent and believe to walk through. He hasn't come back yet. He's powerful to save, and he's chosen those who will believe, and he's sent us to call them, and in the process, he's never going to leave. So don't meditate this afternoon on how you failed this command. Meditate on these three motivations to mission, that Jesus has all authority, that he has commanded us to be part of that team, and that he will never leave. And then obey. Ask other members here at Loudon Valley to obey with you. Start an accountability group. Together. Let's work until we see that glorious day that we sang about earlier when all nations are gathered around the throne of the king, praising him, finding their foolish joy in the lamb who was slain and has bought them with his own blood. May that day come quickly, but until it does, may more be added to that number. Let's pray. Lord, you have called us to go. We must obey. We ask you that you would make us a church that does go next door and across the street and around the world with this life-giving message of deliverance. Lord, when we feel ashamed, forgive us. When we feel timid, strengthen us. 
And Lord, in everything, give us a vision of Christ that compels us to see others know him like we do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.